1: Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning right into this very special episode. And I say this not that every other episode dare I say is not special, but this one is even more specialer. Why? Because I am sitting here live face to face with my guest at the Pod Max event, which if you know me and you follow me for any length of time, you know that this is the third time we've done these events. Uh, I'm, I'm proud and lucky enough to be an integral part of the creating process. So here it's happening in real time. We are sitting down. And not only that, this is amazing because I'm sitting down in front of my guest who is, let me just bring her right into the conversation <laughs> before we go much further. It's Jamie O'Connor. First of all, how's it going, Jamie?
0: It's great. This has been such a fun day and I'm so excited to be sitting here with you.
1: Well, thank you. Let's, let's start with that. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about the day and the moment and the experience over the last handful of hours that you've been experiencing from your perspective. You flew in from Colorado. Here Mm -hmm. we are in in beautiful New Jersey. Welcome, (laughs) by the way. Have you ever been to New Jersey?
0: Uh, I think I've driven through before. I've definitely never been to Trenton. So I'm going to check that one off the list now, which is exciting. it's uh, the
1: state capital, so if oh, you're playing yeah. that game, yeah, yeah, perfect. So you flew in, and, and now here you are. Um, so you decided that you should attend this event, and and how has it been? What's the experience really been like from your point of view?
0: The experience has been amazing. The podcast hosts that are here are um, really high caliber, and and the conversations have been amazing. I think this one hopefully will top the list will we'll give you that Ooh, challenge, Josh. Wow. Um, but truly, I feel like the network that is here beyond just the podcast guests as well has been incredible. The conversations I've had outside of the shows I've recorded on has been as good as any of the top events I've been to. What were you
1: expecting and, and has the event so far met these expectations?
0: Um, well, obviously the main expectation was to record some podcasts, which is awesome. And that's what we've been doing, but the conversations on the podcast has been amazing. As I said, I wasn't sure what to expect outside of that. In the event, I'd heard things about great food, which is true. Um, (laughs) but The great part is that it is, it's intimate. You can really talk to people and have, have good conversations that lead to potential business and other other areas that are helpful, which I love. I actually am not the biggest fan of huge conferences and I love intimate events like this. So mm. it's been fun. I'm glad I came. Well, thank you for saying that. I'm glad you came too.
1: <laughs> and let's connect the dots for the person listening. We actually know each other. Mm-hmm. First time we're meeting in person. I love and, and- that about
0: the internet. I was just going to
1: say that. As I'm saying it, I'm like, you know, I say we've known each other. Oh, we've no. been lifelong friends. I know. But it But it's always like, I mean, it's acceptable in today's day and age mm-hmm. to really feel like you know somebody, to have a connection and a prior relationship and kinship with others and yet have never met in person.
0: I... Totally agree and the cool thing is is I think we actually had a video chat like a year ago. That's right. So we kind of met in person just via via the web. And that is amazing to me that you walk into a room and you actually feel like I might've had dinner with this person before, or, you know, grabbed coffee or lunch, even though we physically had never been in the same location. I think that's a, that's a really amazing experience we can have in today's world.
1: Yeah, and it's as legit as, as anything else. So we have, we met, it was, Two years ago, Mm -hmm. 2018, is when we found Mm -hmm. each other in the same online, digital, not a mastermind, but it was, uh, how do we even, it was like a spiritual, (laughs) personal growth and development space yeah for everyone looking to improve their where'd we meet what is that yeah
0: i mean meditation jesse elder so uh that you know i that's been a huge part of my growth in my business and what has like helped me get into the flow of of really growing a business and um i think we were both in that same group and there was a um kind of side group that started about doing Facebook Lives. And I think that's where we connected because you had this great, amazing personality that was bringing so much value to the table. And I was like, Josh, can you help me? <laughs> I could really use your uh, performance presence advice. Oh, wow. So I think that's kind of what what happened there.
1: Wow, yes. Um, a lot to uh, unravel there, which I, I uh, appreciate. Because from my point of view, I didn't, I I wasn't aware that it was whatever I was doing. And uh, again, for the person listening, apply this to your business, your brand, your marketing efforts in any regard. What Jamie just pointed out is that I was in this group. I was doing my thing. I was showing up. I was offering value, which really is the bottom line in everything we do. Find a way to do that and you will be rewarded handsomely in whatever regard that matters to you by offering value. The more value. Yeah. And really, if if you are not feeling like you are getting paid enough, acknowledged enough, uh, friended enough, commented enough, I think that that's a a truth of the value or lack thereof that you're offering. So really find ways to offer value. And like Jamie said, she apparently saw something in me where she was like, wow, I like what he's doing. I want to, I want to connect further.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that that is such an important piece. It's actually a huge piece of advice I give to a lot of my clients because in reality, it's very hard to market a product or brand that isn't bringing value to the people they're trying to sell to. Well,
1: what else is there, really? Right? Yeah. Like why else yeah. would anybody pay attention Yeah, and so much more? I mean, attention, uh, our tech in the room here, Kieran, uh, we were actually talking uh, at our lunch break about the attention span of the human. These days and I think he said it was down to nine seconds. Yeah, that's probably so generous I mean if we paused for nine seconds right now, it would probably feel like I mean and it would feel long but that's the attention span. Mm -hmm. So if you're not gaining the attention of your people, you gotta up the value, right? That's the first piece of currency, right?
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think what's interesting about the internet today, that is how this conversation, part of the conversation started, is that a few years ago, even as short as two or three, there was still a lot of white space. There was still a lot of opening and you could actually say things like buy my stuff and people would do it. And And now the space has gotten really crowded and you actually have to stand out in a way where you're really connecting with people in a deeper way than I just have something cool that you should buy or that I have a really great course or a great product. you You actually have to connect with them on a deeper level and provide real value to them. And I think we're starting to see a separation of people who are able to do that and people who are continuously just still focusing on they have something cool you should buy. It's fascinating because
1: uh, as you were talking, I just jotted down the note that could frame what ultimately might be a title for this episode, depending, it's still early, depending on (laughs) on where this winds up. We will see what
0: unfolds. (laughs) But,
1: But what we're talking about really is how to get people to pay attention and buy your stuff. And usually I don't talk about the buy your stuff mm-hmm. as you just pointed out but let's be real for a moment right typically we all want to up our income on some level through the products and services we are selling and offering which means people need to buy your stuff so let's put it out there but in, the, you know, in in years past, it was easier to just say, hey, this is what I'm offering. Do you want to buy it? Mm-hmm. And yes, yes, no, no. And you might make some money. But today, that just doesn't work.
0: I don't think it does anymore. I think it can for a very brief minute, but then it stops. And you actually have to have done something that people feel like they can trust, that they feel connected to, and they they want to buy and support and you might get somebody to buy something one time but is that really a business if that's the case you have to really gain I mean it's it's about tribe building right as Seth Godin says um and you can't do that you can't have people who evangelize whatever it is you are selling if you aren't really bringing value to them, to the table and to their life.
1: The word uh, I'm scribbling down here that you said, I love that word, evangelize. You I can't love that have, word
0: too. Yeah, right. You can't
1: have people evangelize what you're selling, dot, dot, dot. What does that word in this context really mean? What does it speak to?
0: Yeah, to me, it really speaks to creating raving fans, people who are out there, Talking about you, telling people how amazing you are and encouraging the people around them to check you out without them even being paid because they get it out of this intrinsic feeling of, of loving who you are, what you do or what you sell.
1: I, I love this conversation so much because right when you and I met, we were talking about, it, it was that two-year-ago mm-hmm. mark, that for me was an extremely pivotal moment in my life because that's really the start of when I chose to make deliberate and much needed changes in my, in my life. I was at my lowest having spent 40 plus years uh, hiding all of my talent and skill and power. Then having, you know, two adoring children finally saying, I can't continue to be this father for and around them when I know I'm capable of so much more. So let me start removing a lot of these habits and patterns and put better ones in place. And I think, as that saying goes, the teacher appears when the student mm-hmm. is ready. Uh, at that moment in time, Jesse was my teacher that mm-hmm. I was ready for, felt uh, felt you know pulled towards that, dove right into it, and give a lot of my early progress credit to him and that community. You included were a, a big part of that. So it, it's really about showing up, learning how to show up in your best form, or else people just will not, and quite frankly, cannot evangelize for you. As I've learned for 40 years, I was desperate for people to be my cheerleader, to yeah. support me, to adore me, to love me, to want to be around me. Yeah. Never in 40 years does it did it work. Now, a couple years in, uh, you know, I have I'm surrounded by great people. Yeah, who it, I'm it's sitting just,
0: here telling you I was like Josh has what I am looking for it's, it's so darn good. Right. So. That's so, I mean, it's so amazing. And you know, I think a piece of this is that I think is important to talk about is I'm saying you need this to be able to sell your stuff, but you have to be doing it not out of the purpose of selling your stuff. So you have good. to be doing it to provide deep value and and want to give. Um, One of my mentors is actually based here in New York City that I get to see on Monday. Um, She has an amazing skincare line and a couple spas in the city. And uh, when I had my e-commerce brand before, I was in her mastermind. And her entire philosophy is about give, give, get and focusing first on the giving. And that if you do that and you do it really to your core and not out of giving to get, but giving first, giving again, then the getting comes, it just comes out of it. And so by putting that value out there, you can do that. And then when you do get in front of those people, because you've given so much value out of wanting to give the value and you say, I have something to offer you. It doesn't feel like you're selling to them and pitching in this way that is having to convince them to buy because it's cool. It's because they have found intrinsic value in what you've offered.
1: It's so perfect. So the reason you have to Yes, we're, we're, we're discovering the bottom line is you have to provide deep value in order to be able to find anybody who gives an ounce of crap about what you're doing or <laughs> yeah. selling, right? To pay attention. That's the first line of defense there. How do I get people to pay attention yeah. to what I'm doing? Um, and it comes down to really showing up as yourself, which I've learned, uh, you know, it, unless you are... True to yourself. I hesitate to use the word authentic because you know I I hear it all the time, and I don't really. Yeah, I don't really resonate with it. But that's the that's the 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 idea of what we're talking about. Find the word and the form that fits for you. But that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. For me, it was getting out of my own way, finding my why, finding my reason. It's much easier to provide your value and to offer it. Give it first without any expectation, and that will come. It's much easier to do that when you know why in the world you're doing this in the first place. You yeah. have to have your own compelling why. That's not a new concept. We've heard it before. Simon Sinek, for example, that's his right. whole yeah. right. That I think I've your talked why. about
0: that otherwise today. Why keeps coming up, but it is so important. And
1: really, why wouldn't it? Ironically <laughs> said, but it should. Uh, for for uh, for for the person listening, you wanna you wanna Google Simon cynics uh ted talk uh one of the first ones that'll come up he's got a few is uh find your why i start with why i think yeah that's the name of his book exactly oh yeah it's that whole thing yeah Uh, and i think that the title is longer it's i think like why corporations start with something like that something something it's less than 19 minutes and i used to listen to it on loop like in Hmm. the car just play it over because it makes so much sense and it puts everything into perspective for you. And it's it's true, right? It, it, it should resonate as truth because unless you really know why you're doing something, anything, yeah. you're not going to have a compelling reason to continue to do it and to continue to do it in a way where people, what, start paying attention. Yeah. So they do seek you out and say... Wow, I like him. I know him. I get him. I appreciate him. I want to to. I I, I want to get in touch with him or her, and I want to do more of this. Yeah.
0: Now, I will say the bridge to that is that if you are doing that and you are doing that to your core, then one of the mistakes I do see a lot of people make is not making the bridge to the offer, and not. I don't know if they're afraid to, they don't want to offend their audience, but if you believe in the value you've already brought to the table and that whatever you have created, your service or your product has so much value, it's going to improve their life, then the offer shouldn't make you afraid because even though you are asking them then to make a purchase, to make a buy, whatever you're bringing to the table is worth so much more than the money they're exchanging to get it. Mm -hmm. And also, what do they
1: say? That a person needs to see or hear your message multiple times. Yeah. I
0: think seven is like the the, the psychological number, but I think that might have come from some random marketing company. I don't know that it's actually like based on anything legitimate, but,
1: but it is a handful. It is multiple. So, uh, somebody needs to see you and your message multiple, maybe seven or more times before they will raise their hand and say, yes, I want to buy. Yeah. Uh, and what comes to mind is Gary Vaynerchuk's mm-hmm. concept and book, "Jab Jab Jab Right Hook." Yep, it's the name of his book, and that concept or one of his books, the the, the idea is jab, jab, jab are the pieces of content that you value the value right exactly everything you put out offer value 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 and the right hook is as you pointed out the offer yeah so it needs to be there but it's a three to one ratio yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah a lot of people get afraid to offer yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I, I've i been there, I mm-hmm. get it.
1: I would hesitate, I would spend weeks, right? Crafting this, you know, message and really that's a delay install tactic <laughs> because it's never gonna be perfect and the weeks spent creating this is not gonna be much better than even a, an early draft that somebody gets the message, appreciates who you are and what you're doing and still can step up and take you up on the offer. Uh, but I would spend weeks and weeks and weeks tiptoe, put it out there, wait, crickets, and then of course say, see, didn't work. Yeah, And then you just leave it. That's one touch point. Nobody's buying on the first touch point. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and I think that there is, um, there's this amazing opportunity now with the internet and what we're doing and having these platforms that we can get on for free in front of our audience and talk to on a regular basis where we can actually put out our ideas or our products and, and get feedback and get and continuously improve and stop letting perfection be the enemy or what what perfection is the enemy. Stop letting perfection get in the way of actually creating something amazing that does bring value to people's lives, but being willing to iterate on it as we continually present it in front of people. So you know, we're, we're in this amazing age now where digital marketing and, and the platforms we have allow us for fairly inexpensively to put ideas and products and services in front of people and see what will resonate. With A, very
1: little financial cost. B, usually very little uh, investment of your time. Yeah. So you, you have the luxury of putting it out there and then observing how people reacted And more often than not, when you put a post out there, whether it's an offer, a value piece or not, whatever it is, you outside of the likes and the comments outside of that, you have absolutely no clue how it's affecting positively Mm -hmm. people who are not commenting or liking. And as you do it more and more, you start to hear a little bit of feedback uh, randomly, occasionally from somebody you, 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 you meet or who, who messages you privately, who comments on something you did months ago and you realize Whoa, wow, you saw that, that, so realize that what you're doing may not give you the complete picture just by the one and done. Oh, it only got six comments and 14 likes. Totally. That's terrible. You might be in front of the people or the person who needs to hear it. And when the timing is right, it's all going to pay off.
0: It's so true. I can't tell you how many times I actually have not been as active as I used to be on LinkedIn and, and I do plan to do a bit more, but, um, I can't tell you how many times I've been at an event, and especially when I was very active on LinkedIn, and I wouldn't really get that much engagement despite this amazing organic reach, but I'd be at an event and somebody would say to me, I love the stuff you're putting out on LinkedIn. So I would get comments back in person, in physical person, from things I'm putting out online, and that just, I think that speaks to the fact that putting out that kind of value is making a difference for yourself, for your business, for your authority, and for your reputation. And, uh, you may just not quite see it in the comments and likes directly on the platform. So true. So let's, let's
1: associate this with you personally. What is your, what is your reason for inspiring and showing up every day? What has it come to be? How did you get there? Yeah. Why do you do what you do today?
0: Well, so I am an entrepreneur to my core. I have been since a very young age. And I like to joke that I took the red pill too early to know better. <laughs> so um, through that, I've had a lot of experiences. It didn't keep me from the nine to five. I've, I've had the opportunity to work for some amazing people um, in different respects and then also run businesses. And from that, I've had the experience of teaching myself a lot over the years because I'd often either worked for startup environments or had my own businesses and so really had to dig into teach myself in order to get what I needed whether that was marketing my e-commerce business or when I was marketing director for a product based business and I found that I couldn't quite find the people I needed in those positions to be my strategic partner, to really help me take off a couple of my hats in a way where I felt like they understood the operations of of the business and the capital side, but like could help us in the marketing side. I found so many of the marketing agencies that I was working with were so uh, one lane focused on the marketing side and couldn't quite grasp the business operation side. And I really decided that I wanted to, I wanted to be that partner I didn't have for other businesses. So that's where I got to today. There's a long, windy road of a journey that got me here. Um, But today, I am a consultant for mainly product-based businesses, some uh, digital products, some uh, physical products, SaaS uh, companies as well. And I help them in their direct-to-consumer journey on their e-commerce and their consultancy. And then we run the paid ad side, so the Facebook ads and the Google ads. So utilizing the content, this amazing value that they're hopefully bringing to the table on a daily basis themselves um, to monetize that through their, their paid media on Facebook and on Google.
1: Let's talk about this long and winding road. Okay. What are we we talking about? Some sort of personal (laughs) struggle and journey? Where do we go with this?
0: Well, yeah. So um, I started my first legitimate business where I actually had an LLC when I was 23 and I started a grocery delivery company in the mountains of Colorado where we would deliver groceries to vacation rentals and stock them before you arrived. Wow, <laughs> and uh, that's that's extremely insightful, especially I for know, Pre Instacart, come on. <laughs> and was
1: this pre? No, this wasn't pre-internet. You're not. It that wasn't old, pre-internet. Certainly. No, yeah.
0: So this was uh, twelve years ago. So it was early, but I I think can't remember. I threw up a website and. But it was, it was back in the day where like you could throw up a website and get website traffic without having to do much of anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I put a website up, and I went to the hotels and property management companies that had condos and created partnerships so that they would let me into the condos ahead of time, and they would recommend me. And, and it, nobody was doing this. No so it was like,
1: it. you would do that for me? Yeah. Name your
0: price. Yeah, exactly. And I got the idea because I had gone on... I'd been invited to a sailing trip um, in the Virgin Islands, and they did this on boats. So if if you chartered a boat, you could order groceries to be stocked on the boat. And I was like, this would be an amazing idea for vacation rentals in the mountains where I lived. So I did it, and it just took off. I didn't really have to try very hard. But I was 23, 24, and I wanted to ski. And so I decided to choose skiing over running this business, which could have made me so much money. <laughs> um, so I just kind of let it go to the side. I, I would keep taking clients as they came in, but I kind of stopped building the relationships I'd been building and... Skied. I decided to ski. So, wow. you know, it is what it is. Sometimes I look back and wonder where I would be today. And then I ended up... I was, at the time, that was a side hustle, actually. I I was working full-time running events for the local town and uh, decided to start contracting. And so over the next four or five years, I built an event management business that, again... I didn't have to work that hard to, like, get it off the ground. People saw my work ethic and offered me contracts. I didn't have to market myself. It just happened. And um, I did that for about four and a half years. And I just burnt out. I'd saved a lot of money. I was 27. I I was doing really, really, really well for myself. I had an ego that was the size of the planet Earth. And I... um, (laughs) decided I was going to build another business and it was going to be as successful as the previous two. <laughs> and I, those had both been service-based businesses. So I decided to start a social enterprise. I had studied uh, microfinance and social enterprises as an economics major in college and was like really fascinated by how Uh, non like this combination of nonprofit and business could exist and be profitable Um, and so I had this model where I partnered with nonprofits and we developed pieces of jewelry for them that they could sell as a fundraiser we would sell online and donate a piece back a portion of it back to them and um I still believe the the model was, was a good idea. What I didn't know was I very naive to is how much money it takes to produce products <laughs> and how capital intensive it is in order to go that route. I was so used to these service-based businesses where I just made my money and that's how it was. <laughs> and um, I went through the life savings that I had saved at that point. Um, the numbers vary, but I think we ended up putting somewhere between 40 and 100,000 into that business. And I had about 15,000 in credit card debt when I decided to close it down. And um, it was, it stung really bad. I just couldn't, I couldn't make it work. I hadn't paid myself in two years outside of like living off of some of my savings. and. I just couldn't fathom continuing to put myself into debt for something that I wasn't sure if I believed in anymore. And so I crawled out of my little hole and I went and got a full-time nine to five job for the first time in five and a half years. And um, I worked for a product business that had been around for six years, although they hadn't had anyone in a marketing position and they hired me full-time for marketing. And I was very lucky that the CEO was an incredible human being and I learned so much from him. Um, And it became very apparent to me working for him. I think I remember having a conversation with him about how he didn't pay himself for four years and he had mortgaged his house to build this business. And it became very obvious to me that that's what it took to build a bootstrap product business. And I got to see the inside of the operations and the capital it took to do it and what what it really takes. I mean, I had my own tiny little version of that and then to see what it took to make a seven-figure product business that now, I mean, they are, I'm sure, well over eight. Um, they quadrupled in revenue in the 20 months I was working there. And, uh, you know, it it really opened my eyes to a couple things. One, that product creation is probably not actually for me, (laughs) that my strengths lie in service and that I don't have to be the one to create the products, but I can actually help people who create amazing things that are gonna change the world, whether that's a physical product or a digital product, but I can help them bring it to the world and, and, grow their audience and that's where my strengths lie more than the actual creation of the product and that I can be really successful doing that. And that's, that was exciting. So like that journey and then learning at Silly Pint made me realize that I wanted to get back into service and I wanted to be able to support these entrepreneurs who are creating amazing products and bringing them to the world.
1: What a beautiful journey. That's absolutely (laughs) inspiring and incredible. There's so much in that, <laughs> that everybody could relate to something. The one piece that I want to get a little more insight on is the, whether it's forty dollars or 100000 <laughs> that something,
0: you... A lot of money that... Right, all of it. Especially all the money that I had. It yeah. was, right? It was all the money you wiped <laughs> yeah.
1: out of your savings. And now uh, in, the, in the red 15000 of credit card mm-hmm. debt... Everybody at some point in their life has or will have that version of their own story. Um, what was really, A, what was going through your head and day-to-day emotions? Did you feel like there's no way out? Did you feel, I have to find my way out, I can and will get my way out? And how did you?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, what's really interesting is I think I believed until pretty much the bitter end of deciding I had to get a job so much that it was going to work that I never really got scared of the money which was really interesting until the end and then it was like oh crap (laughs) it's all gone and now I have to figure out what I'm doing next. And that, that sent me, that part of it sent me into a bit of a depression, but it actually wasn't the money. It wasn't losing the money. It was the feeling like I had failed at a business and that all of my previous successes were flukes. That was really what sent me into feeling depressed and like a failure. Um, and, Ironic, very ironic, because I remember about four months into starting the Hope Market, um, I was at a Denver Startup Week event. And I was at this amazing panel um, of these really successful entrepreneurs just that had done really, really well. And they're all up there talking about these huge failures that they had had before whatever level of success that they were at at that point. And I remember the kiss of death thought went through my head, which was, I'm so lucky. I have been so successful and I haven't had to experience that (laughs) and the universe provided. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I think I, I certainly, um, I was in pain, but it wasn't actually, I probably blamed it on the money at the time. But if I look back now, it was having to confront what I didn't think was going to happen to me, which was fail out of business.
1: The fact that you placed all of these events in perspective at that point saying, wow, I think all these previous wins in business were flukes. Today, looking back, were they? How do we? How do we place what happened there? Then,
0: yeah, no, I don't think that they were flukes. I think um, I'm actually really proud of the fact that I I have a business operations mind, and I think I've had that kind of from the get go. Um, and I I think I needed to learn that lesson to be as successful as I am now. To be humbled, I think. That was really important. I think it's actually a really vital part of of being a successful business owner, um, and I think that, and I think that, that probably was a big part of why I failed in the spectacular way I felt like I did at that time because of the ego I had when I went into it, um, which I think prevented me from seeing some of the pitfalls that you know I can see now in hindsight and that truly, honestly, the people around me uh, probably saw. And it's interesting because the other piece that now I definitely look at and I live my life in a very different way today, but I can, I can remember feeling like I was always swimming upstream in that business. And today I rely so much more on flow and what's coming to me and, you know, if I'm feeling resistance, trying to figure out what that resistance is, leaning into it a little bit and then figuring out how to let it go because otherwise you end up down this kind of dark path that, that really, I think, can harm you, it can harm your business and, and the relationships around you.
1: You bring up an incredible topic, uh, as you put it. Uh, a lot of what you were doing at that point felt like you were were swimming upstream mm-hmm. versus flow. Mm-hmm. It's such a it's such a much needed point for anybody in business, even in life. My goodness! But even as from the business perspective, the things we do have to feel good. Right? There has to be a sense of joy. Now, this isn't to say there isn't gonna be conflict, obstacle, struggle, any of that, right? But there's a difference between that as part of the, the growth and the moving forward process versus how you defined a feeling of upstream.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's really interesting to me to look at these almost two years in this business um, now. Versus what I've experienced before and the just sheer difference in, in really trying to operate in that way. Um, you know, I did more revenue in my first year in this business than I did in my most lucrative year in my event business. Wow. And I, I attribute that massively to learning how to stop operating in resistance and operate in a, in more of a manner of flow and, and where things are coming to me versus trying to create things that. Could we give a, um, maybe some sort of practical real world
1: example? Cause logically I understand what that means, but yeah. put it into perspective for the person listening. How do we identify? What does that look like? What does that really mean?
0: For sure. So, I mean, one piece of this is certainly, I guess, goes into the woo realm a little bit, the woo-woo realm, if you I will. Don't, I don't shy away from that on this <laughs> show, so we can um, go there. I guess, a little bit. I, I would say it's, it's becoming a lot more accepted today, but, but is that I have developed a really strong meditation practice over the last few years. And out of that, I think it's opened up my ability to frame things into perspective better. So, knowing when something actually matters and I need to spend some time on it and figure it out versus when I need to let things go. And I think so much of the resistance that happens in business is because we spend so much time thinking about things that don't matter as much and not about the things that are making a big difference. And if you have a clearer mind, you're able to actually see the difference in that. So that's one piece that's not as concrete, but, you know, out of that What it has allowed me to do, for instance, is be so much better about, uh, for instance, clients, like knowing and having a little bit more of an intuitive feel, because I am a little bit more clear-minded of if a client is a really good fit or if they're gonna end up being a struggle. So right off the bat, taking clients on that are actually really good fits that we're gonna work really well together and trying to find those kinds of partnerships and not just taking on anyone that comes my way. And that puts me into flow. And at the same time, being willing to let go of clients that aren't, that are causing us issues, that are causing morale problems for my team. I have had twice in the last four months, clients that I thought, one, I I thought I was gonna let both of them go. One of them, we did say, this isn't working. The other one, That was the conversation that was happening and their entire team changed because they didn't want to stop working with us. And they recognized that their behavior had been causing a lot of issues. Now, I did not expect for that to happen that way, but it was my willingness to say, it's okay for us to let them go in order for us to stay in the flow.
1: Yeah, that's so, so powerful as you were talking at the end here with the client who you were like, yeah, we got to break this relationship. (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 no. We'll change. Uh, the thing that came to mind is Tony Robbins quote that says you get what you tolerate. Totally. So you realize, okay, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. And they were like, oh, okay, we'll change. We'll change. Let us, you know, we'll, we'll adapt. We'll adjust to you.
0: And it's not being, it's, it's not being afraid that by letting them go that That won't be replaced. You know, if you, it's getting rid of the blockages, which then opens up
1: more flow. My goodness. I can go on (laughs) for hours. Don't you feel
0: it? Yes. You feel like we could just continue? Bring me back. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we will. We will. We'll certainly do a part 2 with you. Uh because seriously, we I mean, we 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 went deep. I feel like there was just so much good here I love meaning it. uh thank you me too. Meaning there's there's so much here that somebody could grab onto and can implement for themselves, can take a little nugget of wisdom, of strategy. So For the person listening, how could they continue this conversation with you and follow up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a page on inspiredfocusdigital.com slash podmax. And on that page, you'll be able to get a guide that will help you to figure out the kind of content that brings value. And I also have some tips on there to find somebody, the right agency partner for you that is actually going to be a good fit. And if you would like to, you can schedule a brief strategy call with me.
1: This is incredible. So uh, we'll link to it in and around the show. It's inspiredfocusdigital.com/podmax, and you'll find exactly uh, all those all those free goodies you were yeah. talking about. Yes. Wow. So here we are wrapping up this interview at the live PodMax event here with Jamie O'Connor, teched by Kieran Lenahan. Thank you kindly, sir, for doing your part. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so how was it? How was how was this interview? Everything good? You, you appreciated it?
0: It was awesome. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and I love it all of the things we talked about. I hope people find a lot of value from it.
1: Absolutely. Perfect. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. You know we're going to do it again before too long. Until we do, thank you so much for devoting your time tuning in. Go get them.